that response very well. How was your week? Like I've said in the last two services that I've preached, that when we say, how was your week? Some people already, they have already programmed themselves before they came to church. pastor is going to ask, how was my week? And it's one blanket answer. But you see, it's more than that when I ask that question. It's because I want you to be conscious of the fact that you have come to a place where you can speak into your week, where you can engage, uh, um, you know, divine intervention. When you need bread, where do you go? You go to the bakery. When you need divine intervention, you come to God's presence. Fine, you can create God's presence in the corner of your room. But the kind of presence that we enjoy, which you call the corporate anointing in a church service, is different. Yeah, it can move bigger mountains. So that's why we, we must be aware of that and be willing to connect with that when we come into God's presence. So I'm declaring over you this afternoon that this week is coming with new testimonies. Amen. Wherever you show up this week, the presence of God will show up Amen. in the precious name of Jesus. And that my God will order your steps in the precious name of Jesus. You will enjoy favor, divine protection, an increase on all sides in the precious name of Jesus. Say, believe in amen. amen. All right, you're welcome to the fourth service today. We've had a blast in all of our services today. I brought a message titled, Mr. and Mrs. Fix It, Restoring or Repairing Interaction in Relationships. If um, you were not in those services, you may want to get a CD of any of uh, those services. My wife brought a message in the first service uh, on, on the same topic. Uh, but in this service, like I announced earlier on, especially last Sunday, I'm going to be speaking more to singles. If you're married and you're in this service, you're going to benefit a few things from this service. One is that you're going to have the benefit of retrospection and um, looking back on some things and also being able to see how they overlay on how your marriage is working out right now and perhaps some things that you can do differently. The second benefit for you if you're married and you're in this service is that from what I'm sharing this morning, especially if you put your heart to it, you stand a very good chance of being able to advise and counsel a single person well, especially when it, com when it comes to finding uh, your mate. That's what I'm sharing on, finding your mate. This is going to be an expository teaching on Genesis chapter 24. So you, you, you need to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 24. This is an expository teaching on Genesis 24. Finding your mate. Finding your mate. If you already have a mate, please don't look for another. <laughs> don't look for another one. Uh, that's not what this message is about for you. What it's about for you is the benefit of retrospection. Uh, when you, you, you can actually look back at, at how things are, you know, have unfolded you know, in your journey, in your marriage. Because I'm going to hit on one or two things that will make you think back, that will make you, you know, consider some things and see what you can reshape. Um, as a way of background, Genesis 24, a wonderful, wonderful story. Here in Genesis 24, of how Abraham, when he was old and well stricken in age, 
realized all of a sudden that the heir to the promise, Isaac, was still single. And he needed to take responsibility. And that's another thing that you know, if you're married here that you benefit from. You have, especially if you have kids, how do we take responsibility for the marital destiny of our words? So here, Abraham decided he was going to take responsibility for the marital destiny of the heir to the throne, the person who has been adjudged the son of promise, Isaac. Abraham decided, I'm going to take responsibility for the marital destiny of Isaac. Why? This lineage of grace is at a risk if something is done wrongly here. It's supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But any simple mistake with Isaac may turn everything around. And the land of promise that God has promised Abraham that said, I will give to you and your descendants after you any attempt for Abraham not to take responsibility for the marital destiny of Abraham may truncate the fulfillment of that promise. So, I will read in and out of this chapter and as much as possible, I'm going to stay within this chapter. This is what the Holy Spirit has put in my heart you know, to share with us this afternoon. Genesis chapter, one, uh, chapter 24, I'll read from verse 1. I'll stop. You know, I'm just dwelling on this today, and I believe this will bless somebody. Genesis chapter 24 from verse 1. Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And I pray for you in the name of Jesus that when you are old and advanced in age, you will be able to say that God has blessed me in all things. Amen. Not in one, not in two, but in all things. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. So the Bible says here that God has blessed Abraham in all things. All, meaning all. All. In all things. So Abraham said to, the oldest, to his oldest servant, the oldest servant in his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my tie. And that was very symbolic. You know, very symbolic. And you're going to see the symbol of it is to, to make an, an oath. He said, please put your hand under my tie, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanite, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Like I said, it's an expository teaching on Genesis 24. So I'm going to stop here and say one or two things. Abraham, like I said, decided to take responsibility for the marital destiny of his son of promise, Isaac. Isaac, if you study his life, um, there's a book I'm reading titled uh, the, is it the Important Marriages of the Bible or the marriages of the Bible, some of the five marriages of the Bible or something like that. And the second marriage, critical marriage in the Bible is the marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. And, you know, when you x-ray the temperament of Isaac, Isaac happened to be the phlegmatic, you know, melancholic phlegmatic, which is 
the very laid back, reserved personality. Because at this time, Isaac's mother uh, was now dead, and Isaac now moved into the tent of his mother. He has refused to leave home. <laughs> you know, just this very reserved, laid back person, you know. That was the, 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 the temperament. Because some, some, so, some of us, as parents, will get to a point where, uh, you know, we, we feel that if somebody's not pulling their weight, we can't push them, just watch them. Abraham decided to take responsibility for Isaac. Isaac was happened um, to be a special son, but he had his peculiarities. And that's, that was part of his peculiarities. Uh, because for, for somebody to have to look for a wife for you, uh, you must have special needs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but let's focus on Abraham and what he did for now. So Abraham called this servant and said, you are now going to have to swear. Put your hand on my thigh and swear to the God that made heaven, the heavens and the earth. That you will not pick a wife for my son from amongst the Canaanite. And time will not permit me to go into it. The Canaanite were a special people, but they were a people in God's black book, a people alienated from God, a people out of a covenant with God. And Abraham said, I, as a covenant person, my son must marry. And the lineage of grace must marry within the covenant, you know, that this circle of the covenant. You know, the first thing I'd love to point out this afternoon is that for you looking for a mate, finding a mate, as a seed of Abraham, we must learn how Abraham approached the selection of a life partner for his son based on the covenant. And the first thing that he did is this. And I'll advise you this afternoon. The first thing, most important, is be focused and be determined to marry a Christian. And by that, a covenant person. I don't just mean anyhow Christian, but somebody who is in a covenant with God. You see, we have sort of bastardized what it means to be a Christian to some extent. But somebody in covenant with God, you cannot second guess a person who is working in covenant with God. And Abraham did all, including making his servant to swear. That means that it's extremely important to preserve grace, the covenant, and the blessing of God. A person must give utmost priority, utmost priority to getting into a covenant relationship with a covenant person. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? The extent to which Abraham went. Let me tell you the implication, especially if, if you're here, whether married or single, but for married people. Let me tell you the implication of what Abraham did. Everything that you have worked for, most of us will say we're working for our children. In your lifetime, you make a lot of investment to the life of your children. And if you're like me, you pay good school fees. All right? As I'm, you, you, you know some of the things I think about the most? You want to hear the truth? Yeah. 
Some of the things I think about the most when I'm in my house, after I, I've thought about my relationship with my wife and how it needs to get better and better, is the future of my children. The future of my children. I have investment that I make every month towards my kids' college education. Right? This month, before it ends, some money must leave my account that will go somewhere. So you can't live your life like that and make all those kind of investments. Some people have lost their destiny just because they married the wrong person. So how do I make all that kind of investment? Then I'm not interested in whom these two young girls will marry. You must be kidding me. All right? So if you're a young man and you're hiring my girls, just get ready for me. All right? Get, get ready. Get ready. Because it's not, I'm, not going to, I mean, I'm not going to go down easily. You know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. Not with all the investment. Not with all the investment. I invest my time. I invest prayers. I invest money. I invest good time. You understand? They are the only people who can barge into my prayer room. And I'll say, for crying out loud, see, I'm praying. <laughs> and my younger daughter will still stay there. I said, what? <laughs> and in my heart, I'll be like, God, you must understand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know all kinds of things. You, you, you mean all of that? Just... You know the truth? Marrying the wrong person can make all the investment go down the drain. That was why Abraham said, look, you are going to have to swear. You are going to have to swear that you are going to follow my instruction completely and wholly. Because this lineage of grace may not survive. If Isaac will not hook up with the right person. Is somebody still with me this afternoon? So that you're still here. Do all that is possible to make sure that you're getting hooked up with a man of a covenant man or a covenant woman. A covenant man and a covenant woman. A covenant man and a covenant woman. And don't take I'm born again and I go to church for it. That's why the period of courtship must be a period where you test the strength of God's covenant in the life of a man. A man that would disobey God's word without thinking, even if he speaks in tongues, is not a covenant man. I hope you understand what I'm saying. He's not a covenant man. Yeah. If somebody's still developing capacity, Let's understand that the person is still developing capacity. You know, in Christianity, we have levels. There are the basics. The basics that they are like untouchables. Do you get what I'm saying? Somebody who commits sin for game. Forget whatever he's saying. His action is speaking louder. And if you like yourself, just take over. All right? That's not a covenant person. Somebody may still be growing up as a believer. He has a soft spot for God. He knows God. He's seeking to love God more and know God more. And you see somebody 
who is just like God worked with Abraham. Abraham worked with me and, you know, and be perfect. But the word perfect there does not actually mean perfect in real, I mean, the way it's interpreted there. It means work with me and seek for maturity. Because perfection in the Bible means maturity. Because there's there's really no perfection. We're only talking about maturity. A fully devoted follower of Christ. Does that mean the person will not make mistakes once in a while? No. But the person is working with God. All right? And you see the traces, the footprints on the sand of, sand of time, that this person is working with God. That's a covenant person. That's a covenant person. That's a covenant person. That's a covenant person. Praise God. I said praise God. So it's very important that you be focused and be determined to marry a Christian. But like I said, clarifying, not just a Christian, but a covenant person. Somebody who understands the covenant that we have with Jehovah. Two, Walk by faith based on God's promises. This is also applicable to all the single person in the house today. And I'm also using this also just as if I knew that there will be married people in this service. And by the way, this is just for this service. Our fourth service is a general service. I'm just, I'm, I was just led to bring a, 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 a specific message to singles in this service. So from next Sunday, we're going to uh, usual. Praise God. I said praise God. Right. Look at from verse 5 of Genesis 24. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. This is the land of promise. But the people here are not okay for my son. Don't take my son to the place where God said I should live. Because my people are there. So the equation is bring my son, my, the, the Rebecca, to this place to meet my son here. And look at what Abraham said here. But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and uh, swore to me, saying, To your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angels before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. What Abraham was saying here is this. Because some people will say, some singles say, what about if all these covenant people, you know, Christians, they are not looking at my side for this. The people you categorize as under covenant or over covenant. <laughs> they are the ones who are approaching me. What should I do? That's, that's the question some people will ask. Because some people just, I mean, I've met people who, who tell me stuff like, Pastor, all the people, especially ladies, all the people that are approaching me, they're not born again. And, you know, you know we, can, we can save them. I mean, literally, that's the summary of what they're trying to say. We, we can... <laughs> literally saying, Pastor, can you work with me to save one of them? And then we can continue from there. What Abraham, what, do you know the question that this guy asked Abraham? What about if this woman will not agree to come here? Or will not even agree at all? Let's even just say, what about if this thing will not work out like that? And Abraham said, you know what? The God of my fathers, 
who promised me this land. He will send his angels ahead of you to make your journey prosperous. You will bring a woman to my son here. Abraham was just walking by faith. That that same God who told me in Genesis chapter 12, Come out of my people, out of my crinded, and go to a place that he will show me he's still alive and well. And somebody here this afternoon, you need to be able to say that the God who showed up for me when I had this sickness in my body and healed me, or the God who paid my school fees, or the God that showed up for me when I prayed concerning my job and the job show, show, showed up, that same God, even if I have only unbelievers around me, that same God can lead me and connect me with a man of covenant or a woman of covenant. Is somebody getting along with me? I said, is somebody getting along with me? That's why I wrote here, walk by faith based on God's promises. Abraham only spoke about God's promise when the servant said, what about if your calculation will not work out? What about if your desire doesn't look like it's going to work out? Abraham fell back to the promises of God. He said, the God who promised me this land that I will give to you and your descendants, that same God is still alive and well. And he can show up for me. And he will show up because as you go, he will send his angels ahead of you. Is somebody still here this afternoon? If only we'll have more Christians fall back on God's promises like this, we'll have lesser situations of people getting into a relationship just for the sake of getting into a relationship and then five years down the line the relationship is not working and then everything is going down and the people will say oh but you and uh, and she waited enough or he waited enough he got married at 40, 40 and yet the thing did not last his 45th birthday that will not be your testimony in the precious name of jesus if i'm working with god let's work with him so walk by faith Based on God's promises, Abraham refused to waver. Told his servant, that's not the way to think. I know your concerns, the, 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 the genuine concerns. Right. And sometimes we have such concerns. Yeah. They are, you know, the right concerns. But we need to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to choose to walk by faith and especially... Remembering God's promises. Remembering God's promises. And remembering when God showed up in your life in time past. The God of my father. The God who sent me. The God who promised me this land. He will send his angel ahead of you. And I declare over somebody here this afternoon. That the God. The God who gave the vision of this church. It will go ahead of you. Amen. There shall be divine connection in your life. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Say better amen somebody. Amen. Thirdly. Somebody where I'm discussing five keys. This is number three. Watch and pray. This is loaded. I'm going to unpack it. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Now look at that. After Abraham explained and, and, you know, jacked up the guy to walk by faith. So he said in verse number 9, So the servant put his hand under the tie 
of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning the matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camel. And this is becoming interesting because everything here has some bit of meaning. And I need to follow me. Verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camel and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hands. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. That was where Abraham's family lived. And he made his camels kneel down. I'm in verse 11. Please follow me carefully. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time. The time when women go out to draw water. Just for this to sink in, can we read verse 11 together as a church? It's on the screen. Let's go one, two, go. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the evening time when... I'm going to come back to this verse 11, but let me add verse 12 and unpack everything together. Then he said, Oh Lord, God of my servant Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Verse 13, Behold, here I stand by the well of water. Where am I standing? By the well of water. And the daughters of men of this city are coming out to draw. Verse 14, Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please lay down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Very important. I said, number three, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Prayer is very significant and very important in the process of finding your mate. Don't take prayer lightly at all. But added to prayer is watching and divine positioning. Watching and divine positioning. You see what this guy did? He got to Mesopotamia and the Bible says, he stood by the well. Put his camel by the well. He was standing at a vantage position. Positioning is extremely important. It's essential for prayer to work. If you have not written anything since I started, I think you need to write this one. If you are taking note. Positioning is essential for prayer to work. This guy stood at the well and he made some prayers. Oh Lord God of my fathers, let it be that the woman who comes here and I ask, give me water, she will say, I'll give you water, and not just you, and your camels also. Positioning is very key. It said, this guy was at the well, where the sons, I mean, daughters of the men of the city 
Not only are they well, at the right time. Are you still with me? I said, are you still with me? At the right time. He was there at the evening time where the daughters of the men of the city are coming to fetch water. Position yourself where opportunities can see you and you can see opportunities. Positioning and praying, therefore, go hand in hand. Are you still with me today? You know the servant of Abraham? He could have gone to the market square at the evening time. And maybe old women come to the market square for night market. Young ladies go to the well to fetch water. He went to the right place at the right time where the young ladies of the city will be there. You know the God of Abraham is a powerful God and is a covenant-keeping God. This man could have leveraged on the God of Abraham that is a covenant-keeping God and said, look, you know what? I'll just find a corner in this city and that powerful God of Abraham will bring whoever he wants for Isaac to come and meet us there. And that's how a lot of people behave. That's how a lot of people behave. There's a path for man, there's a path for God in all the affairs of life. Is somebody still with me today? That's a general principle to life. There's a path for me to play, there's a path for God to play. When I play my part well, God is always faithful to play his part well. But my part will make God's part to appreciate faster. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, when I'm playing my own part. The Bible says this guy positioned himself by the well. In the, at the evening time, where the daughters of the city come to fetch water. You know the big question today that I love to ask if you're single? Where is your well? Alright? Or can I say, where are the wells of the city? And you see the kind of girls that go to this well that we're talking about, they're not useless girls. So when I'm saying where are the wells, don't, don't, don't even think of nightclub. All right, don't dare, don't dare. These are very diligent, hard-working ladies who, and who, who know the time to play and the time to walk. This suggests to me, like, you know, like, maybe corporate Nigeria or something. Maybe... Maybe church, because it's either you're serving your earthly father or your heavenly father. <laughs> it sounds to me like, you know, maybe being, being, being a friendly person at the right place and being at the right place, like a good place, like where reasonable people gather. Some professional gathering. Some, you know, some religious gathering. Some family gathering where responsible people come together, maybe celebrating something or just mingling together, doing something reasonable. Are you still with me? Can go on and on with my suggestions about what you can classify as the well. But the ladies that went to the well, they went to do something purposeful. They went to get water. Water is life. And that's, they, they're getting that on behalf of their families. 
Is somebody still with me today? Some people you can literally draw, you know, the usual trajectory of their movement. Home, work, home, maybe church once in a while, you know, and all that. And then if they want to hang out, maybe they're hanging out with their married friends or, or hanging out with other single ladies or hanging out, hanging out with other guys, which are not bad. But I'm saying that a lot of us, especially those of us Christians, we should be more open to being at the right wells where the sons of the men of the city <laughs> gather. And where the daughters of the men of the city gather. Say amen, somebody. Amen. It makes prayer more meaningful. Because the kind of prayer that this guy prayed, if he had prayed it somewhere else, it wouldn't have made any sense. You know. You say, uh, grant that the person that will come, where are they coming? They're not, nobody's coming to where you are. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? So we need to position ourselves where opportunities can see us and we can see opportunities. Very, uh, very crucial, extremely crucial. Don't go to the well in the morning and stay at the market square in the evening. That's, that will hinder uh, uh, the work of God in your life. Be at the right place at the right time. Somebody may be asking me a question, Pastor, what's your definition of the right place? I think I've tried to explain it, but I can attempt to do it a little more. Think through everything around you. And in this day and age, sons of the men of the city, they also gather on social media. Hello? Because if you are very spiritual, that may assault your mentality. But we are here to renew our minds, okay? Because the times are changing. There's nothing that says that if social media were available in the days of Abraham, Abraham would not say, Servant, get on Facebook, my friend. Get on Facebook. Get on Facebook. And just, just, just check out, you know, uh, um, all the IPs from Mesopotamia. <laughs> all the people logging in from Mesopotamia. Check, check, check them out. Check them out. <laughs> and, you know, and chat them out and see, see what's going on there. You know, show some interest about what's going on in Mesopotamia. And then let's, let's see if something will connect. I'm sure some people are still saying, Pastor, tread with caution, tread with caution. I've seen many relationships that started on social media that have ended well. And I've seen some that are just complete frauds. That's why you need to combine your spirit and your mind as you get into that arena and know how you want to walk through the maze there and get the best out of the opportunities that are available. But the most important thing is that there's a place you can be where opportunities will not see you and you will not be able to see opportunities. Trust God for grace to be at the right place at the right time. The grace to be at the right place at the right time. Somebody stay with me. I said, somebody stay with me. I can go on and on and on and talk about this well thing, but I need to move my, to my next point. But can you please tell me, ask your neighbor, where's your well? Where? Say, find your well. Say, the daughters of the men of the city. Oh, say it again. Say, the daughters of the men of the city. The of the the of the city. The they hang out there. 
Say the, the sons of the men of the city. They hang out there. And they are waiting for you. Praise God. I said praise God. Number four. Simply put, look for grace. Look for grace. Look for grace. Let me get back to Genesis 24. Look for grace. Look for grace. Genesis 24, verse 15. The servants of Abraham prayed a prayer. So I've talked about praying and watching. And watching there stands for positioning. But after he prayed, look at Genesis 24, 15. Look at what happened. And it happened before he had finished speaking. That behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful. God help you. With all these shouts, they may not know where their well is. Shouting like that. Go and locate your well, my friend. When you have located it, they come and shout. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Look at this. Verse 16. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No mad man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled a pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, See, see, brothers, if you will not run to meet anybody and open your mouth, and you need to understand this, that your life itself is an assignment. It's your responsibility to find the person that will fulfill your destiny with you. Abraham's servant saw this as an appraiser issue. And until, a, as a man, you see finding the right mate as an appraiser issue in heaven, you will not begin to take responsibility. The Bible says he ran towards this young lady to be able to talk to her. And he got his rhymes right. So verse 17, And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. You see, you know what? There's an heavenly code that has been written. He prayed the prayer. He mastered his rhyme. It was the same rhyme he took to this lady. If he had said, aren't you pretty? <laughs> the lady wasn't ready for frivolities. Give me water. That I may drink. It had been impressed on her heart. Today, maybe like that, give water. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's a free gift today. Look at what happened here. Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. Verse 18. So she said, Drink, my Lord. Then she quickly. Let a pitcher down to her hand and give him a drink. Verse 19. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, 
I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. That is either a very silly decision or a miracle. Because when this man prayed, he said, let it be that the woman that I will speak to, what was he saying when he, said, when he prayed that prayer? You know my point is look for grace. When he prayed that prayer, let it be that the woman that I will speak to, to give me water, will not only give me water, but give my camels also. What he was saying is that my servant is into animal husbandry. We have camels at home. Anybody that must come into our family must be somebody who is giving to, he must like camel, or she must like camel. You understand what I'm saying? So what the servant was saying is, Lord, let grace connect with grace. Are you still with me? Let grace connect with grace. Because I must tell you, it's a dangerous prayer to say, let the woman I talk to. And he knew he left home with 10 camels. All right? For you to just understand what I'm saying. If you Google right there, right now, how much water will a thirsty camel drink and be satisfied? Because he said, until they are finished drinking. Now, hear me well. Camels can go six straight months at the maximum without even drinking any water. But when they decide to drink, <laughs> I read on, I think it was... Um, and, and uh, this Animal Planet, the website, they said a thirsty camel can drink up to between 135 to 150 liters in 13 minutes. Just, have you seen 50 liter keg before? So it's about three of that, that one camel will drink just to refresh. If they really want to drink, and they haven't had a drink in a long time, is minimum about 200 liters. And this bros has 10. He had 10 with him. So when I said, when that lady answered that question, it's either something went wrong with her brain or God just performed a miracle. For you to see 10 camels, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And he knew that they were going to drink something around the neighborhood of a, 150 liters of water each, times 10 is 1,500 liters. And she was willing to fetch for all of them. That is grace. Wow. You know what? There's grace to be the wife of a pastor. If you don't have it, your marriage with a pastor may not work. There's grace to be the wife of a trader. There's grace to be the wife of an international businessman. There's grace to be the husband of an executive woman. If you don't have it and you want to eat fresh edikaikon every day, you are on your own. You know, there are some men who will say, I want to eat fresh vegetable every day. 
and you must cook it. Just flip your mind. An executive woman, a GM in a bank, a deputy general manager in a telecom company, how can she cook fresh vegetable every day? For you to remain married to that kind of woman as God promotes her, you must have grace. How many people will really want to marry a woman that's a bank MD? You know, many men will say, yes, it will be nice. <laughs> but if you know what it takes to remain married to that kind of woman, you know that grace must connect. If not, it will not work out. In finding your mate, the servant of Abraham looked out specifically for grace. For grace. Lord, let it be that the woman that I will talk to, one, she'll be willing to give me water, and secondly, she'll be willing to water all of my ten camels. You know when he was living home and he carried ten camels, I said you should watch him, watch him. He's a dangerous man. He had something at the back of his mind. And for a lot of people, there are things we need to pay attention to that we don't pay attention to. We allow our emotions to overtake us when we get into relationships. Than being he, this man prayed a practical prayer. We know where we are going. <laughs> These camels, you know, and all, this woman must be this kind of woman. That he, she must have grace to be able to connect vitally in this area. Look for grace. Tap your neighbor for me. Say, look for grace. Or tap another neighbor and say, look for grace. It's very important. Grace must connect with grace. Grace must connect. It's very, extremely important. Extremely important. Extremely important. There's grace to be the wife of a medical doctor. There's grace to be the... the the husband of a female politician or the wife of a politician. There's grace to be the wife of a Nollywood actor. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Grace to be the wife of a celebrity singer. So that you know and because some of us also wonder, is that man married? You say yes. Whoever his wife is must be a special person. Yes, he is a special person. Because this Rebecca, obviously, is a special person in her own right to be willing to do all this. Praise God. Tap your neighbor for me again. Say, look for grace. If you're married here, and it looks like this grace is becoming tight. Remind your spouse. We need to pray for grace. When your spouse complains so much, engage them in discussions that can draw grace out of them. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he did dangerous things by that grace, including several imprisonment, shipwrecks, and everything, all for the sake of the gospel, but he had grace for it. Lastly, this afternoon, check the family. Check the family. Check out the family. 
Very important. Check out the family. You are not marrying the family, but the family is a serious factor to the success of your home. If I go back to Genesis 24, and um, the man asked Rebecca, what about, is there a room in your father's house that I may lodge? Rebecca said, yes. So he put a bracelet in her hand, ring on her nose, said, let's go to your house. They got there. They had a family meeting. He explained himself. And um, in verse 29, the Bible says, Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass, when he saw the nose ring and the bracelet in, a, in, a sister's, in his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah, saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. And the man came in, you know, and they, they gave him food, you know, and all that. And he explained his mission. And eventually, they agreed that Rebecca would be able to go with him and all that. Now, we need to understand that even though I said you are not marrying the family, but the family is serious, it's a serious factor to the success of your marriage, that you need to pay attention to the kind of family you're marrying into. And this is coming from your pastor. I know your parents have said it, but now I'm saying it. And for those of us who are parents here, we don't have to be unnecessarily prejudiced, but we need to take precautions. We need to take precautions. Do your best to secure the acceptance of the family, like Abraham's servant did, but not by doing things that contradict God's word or things that will defy your conscience or corrupt your motive. A lot of things that we see, I mean, of recent, I've seen many things. In my many years of pastoring, I've seen all sorts. I've seen where a woman literally supervised how a daughter packed her things from a man's house. All right? Not once, maybe twice. And as a pastor, I was standing there like this. And mama still insisted, we're packing our things today. And they packed everything. And they left. At least twice. So I know what I'm saying. There are families where they practically had a covenant with the devil not to embrace marital relationships. And the new generation may not even be aware of anything like that. When you encounter such a place, the question you need to ask the Holy Spirit is this. Is this a responsibility you are giving me or not? When God is sending you into such a family, grace is available for you to fight through and break that curse and that limitation. If you are not sent, you can find yourself in problems. I'm telling you the truth. That's where you know, prayer is very important. For you to allow God to speak to you, it's very important. Find a lineage of grace. Avoid generational battles that you are not prepared for. 
or that God has not spoken to you that you are supposed to be a part of breaking it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Very, very important. The family where somebody's coming from is very important. Don't underestimate it. There are people within families who have sworn on their graves that if they are still alive, some things or this will not happen. When you get into that kind of a family, when God is calling you into that family, you will know by the Spirit. Staying up at night to pray will not look like work to you. If you have to do a 30 day stretch to break some things down, you will do it with joy. You will not complain about fasting in that kind of family. I'm telling you the truth. Because it just comes to you, just like, just like Rebecca had grace to feed all the camels, uh, uh, to, to water them, the same way grace comes upon you. You hold their battles as if it's yours, and you fight through, and there's victory. But when that grace is not available, you may be getting yourself into some problem. If you engage in such a place without divine instruction from God. Has this been a blessing to somebody this afternoon? I said, has this been a blessing to somebody this afternoon? Time will not permit me to go any further than this. But I want you to know that you need to get this message and listen to it again and again and pray. Especially if you're single and you're trusting God to lead you to someone. And let this guide you. Trusting God someday.